your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is a great and eventful day, another one. Uh, the President of the United States just spoke, and uh, it's uh, not just because of the content, it's not just because of the subject matter, it's because his heart was obviously in it. Uh, President Biden spoke effectively, and I think it's a kind of thing that should reassure every American, no matter how you feel about Israel or how you feel about Biden, for that matter. Uh, confirmation that the number of Americans who were killed in the terror attack that began this most recent war between Israel and the stone-cold killers in Hamas. Uh, at least 14 Americans were killed by Hamas, and more were taken hostage. They don't know exactly how many hostages there are. The number is being used as 150. Uh, some of them, we don't know how many yet are American and Jake Sullivan the White House National Security Advisor holding the same job that uh, John Bolton used to hold for President Trump uh, Jake Sullivan has uh, talked about um, making contact with the families American families not only of the people who have lost loved ones 14 Americans killed uh, but people whose relatives may have been taken hostage uh, a um, some of the details about what has been happening the last three days because there is still fighting going on in the south of Israel where some of the terrorists most of whom have either gone back to Gaza some with hostages some killed but there are still terrorists there still representing a danger though that is greatly greatly reduced with Israel getting ready for a uh, a major incursion is a fascinating interchange with Jake Sullivan the national security advisor uh, he was asked by a reporter uh, have you worked out with Israel how much uh, uh, retaliation uh, you are going to permit uh, as if America were controlling it. And Jake Sullivan said, the question here isn't retaliation. What the Israeli aim is in this war is protection. It is not to get even with uh, Hamas for the cruelty and the horror that they have perpetrated. It's to make Israel safe and the free world safe in the future moving ahead. And the conclusion that most Israelis have reached, including the Israeli left, which has taken a long time to get there, but they have reached the conclusion that there is no way that coexistence with Hamas, with this terrorist organization, can allow that kind of security that uh, the Israeli government, and now very explicitly after Biden's speech, the American government, is going to be seeking. A one eight hundred nine five five seventeen seventy six is our phone number. Uh, Leon Panetta, former head of the CIA, former congressman, former uh, uh, he was a chief of staff under Bill Clinton. He's considered an elder statesman with wisdom and experience. Somebody who served his country very uh, nobly, in fact, I think. I had the privilege of meeting Leon Panetta a couple of times. 
He says this is the year from hell for America and democracy with two wars and more. It depends on how it works out, Mr. Panetta. And it's still in process. Uh, the um, grand spiritual leader of Iran, uh, the uh, uh, Ayatollah Khamenei, has uh, threatened greater disaster for Israel. Okay, this is what the presence of an American battle group, and I was speaking to somebody who, uh, a Marine Corps veteran who's a dear friend of ours, Charlie, and uh, Charlie was with us last night at a rally for We Stand With Israel. There was a rally in Bellevue, Washington. There were about a thousand people. It was a very well turned out rally. And then there were cars that drove by and that were honking their support. There was a no sign of uh, a, any kind of Palestinian or pro-Palestinian opposition. But uh, at the rally, this battle group uh, that is being sent with the aircraft carrier Gerald Ford and a missile cruiser and four destroyers. It's a very formidable American naval force on its way to the eastern Mediterranean. And it's to deal with exactly the fact that the Grand Ayatollah, the uh, 80, he's in his late 80s. He, he's, he's one of those people who makes the uh, Trump and Biden look like spring chickens. By the way, we have a fascinating article about that, actually looking at the actuarial tables for people like uh Trump, who's 77, and like Biden, who is 80, uh, what chance do each of them have of completing this next term as president? In other words, assuming one of them gets elected, unless it's going to be Robert Kennedy Jr., who's almost 70, but it's uh, going to be Trump or Biden, what chance do each of them have of surviving that term? or handing it over to the vice president, presumably Kamala Harris, if it's Biden who wins, or who knows who Trump's vice presidential running mate is going to be. We will get to that. Uh, we will also be speaking with Alan Dershowitz, uh, the uh, Harvard law professor for years and years and years. Also, one of those people who has written knowledgeably and passionately about the state of Israel. Uh, his book, The Case for Israel, is must-reading for people who want a, an initial background or the word is context that people use about what is going on in the world right now. One of the stories that's going on in the world, this is covered in the British press, it's, it's almost indescribable. But uh, in one town in southern Israel, there were... Uh, 40 babies, uh, children below the age of three, who were slaughtered. And uh, some of those babies beheaded. Uh, is this a new pogrom, they ask over at Drudge. Uh, there's dash cam video that now shows the festival goers who went to that music festival where they had a hundred and, uh, pardon me, 260 bodies piled up a very uh, sub substantial proportion of the Israelis who were murdered, and they, they weren't killed in, in uh, action, they were murdered. Uh, most of them, by the way, were unarmed. 
uh, this goes to the point that when you read these stories about the the uh, people who are murdered in their own homes in southern Israel, it, it is not true that uh, Israel has the same kind of common distribution of firearms that we have in the United States. But you wonder about how all of this happened. The um, uh, the idea that the uh, where did the money come from to pay for this kind of murderous expedition, uh, the uh, militants, so-called the terrorists, apparently raised millions in crypto. Uh, Gaza civilians were told uh, that uh, you stay, you die. Uh, because 300,000 reservists have been mobilized. As I mentioned, including uh, close members of uh, our family. And newspaper blamed Netanyahu. The leading newspaper in Israel said this entire disaster was the fault of the prime minister, who is now attempting, at least, to create a, a new coalition government. We'll be speaking to Professor Alan Dershowitz coming up, and we'll hear what the president had to say in a big speech he just delivered, all coming up on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show uh, reacting to the latest the uh, speech by the president of the United States which as you will hear in a moment uh, is one of the most emotional and I think frankly effective speeches uh, that uh, President Biden or Senator Biden for that matter has ever given he's not noted to be a great orator uh, no disrespect intended for the President of the United States. And it's, uh, again, to see the American government uh, reacting and coming together, and even maybe just even the Republican Party coming together. Uh, there was a meeting today among Republican House members. There's going to be a much bigger meeting tomorrow. They may come down to making a decision on a new speaker and who knows it seems possible especially considering his leadership on this Middle Eastern crisis that the new speaker of the house will be the old speaker of the house Kevin McCarthy but uh, re-elected as speaker this time without the vulnerability of allowing one individual congressman yes that's you Matt Gates, to undo the speakership um, the uh, news stories, uh, the um, uh, news stories, all have to do with uh, this um, event in the Middle East, this war, where it is not a war. And again, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, made this point very forcefully and very clearly: this is not about uh, revenge. This is not. Uh, about retribution. 
This is not about punishing Hamas. It's about getting rid of Hamas. It's about making Israel and the civilized world safe from this kind of suicidal and malevolent, profoundly evil terrorist violence. I, um, I was thinking about this. President Lincoln, our greatest president, once said very simply, and it's one of those things you cannot argue with it. It is just ironclad logic. It is emphatically true. Lincoln said if slavery is not wrong, nothing is wrong. In other words, if you believe in right and wrong, then obviously slavery is a gigantic wrong. And by the same token, if uh, what was done in southern Israel and done in 22 towns and small cities that the Palestinian murderers uh, invaded and and going house to house and killing people in their own homes, killing children in front of their parents and parents in front of their children. If that isn't terrorism, what's terrorism? What does it mean? It has no meaning. And if these are not war crimes, then what's a war crime? If uh, kidnapping a... Uh, a mentally impaired grandmother and taking her back to Gaza, if that is not a war crime, if beheading babies is not a war crime, then what is? There's no meaning to the term. It's in that context the president spoke this morning. Uh, he was pretty clear about the U.S. position. Uh, this is clip one. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. And we will make sure Israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens, defend itself, and respond to this attack. There's no justification for terrorism. There's no excuse. Hamas does not stand for the Palestinian people's right to dignity and self-determination. His stated purpose is the annihilation of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. They use Palestinian civilians as human shields. Hamas offers nothing but terror and bloodshed with no regard to who pays the price. And uh, then speaking of paying the price, he talked about the loss of life. The loss of innocent life is heartbreaking. Like every nation in the world, Israel has the right to respond, indeed has a duty to respond to these vicious attacks. I just got off the phone with a third call with Prime Minister Netanyahu, and I told him, the United States experience and Israel are experiencing, our response will be swift, decisive, and overwhelming. We also discussed how democracies like Israel and the United States are stronger and more secure when we act according to the rule of law. Terrorists pur purposely target civilians, kill them. We uphold the laws of war, the law of war. It matters. There's a difference. Today, Americans across the country are praying for all those families that have been ripped apart. 
A lot of us know how it feels. It leaves a black hole in your chest when you lose family. Feeling like you're being sucked in. The anger, the pain, the sense of hopelessness. This is what they mean by a human tragedy. An atrocity on an appalling scale. And the president, uh, obviously emotionally moved by the context and his own words, had this to say about supporting Israel. We're going to continue to stand united, supporting the people of Israel who are suffering unspeakable losses and opposing the hatred and violence of terrorism. My team has been in near constant communication with our Israeli partners and partners all across the region and the world from the moment this crisis began. We're surging additional military assistance, including ammunition and interceptors to replenish Iron Dome. We're going to make sure that Israel does not run out of these critical assets to defend its cities and its citizens. My administration has consulted closely with Congress throughout this crisis. And when Congress returns, we're going to ask them to take urgent action to fund the national security requirements of our critical partners. This is not about party or politics. This is about the security of our world, the security of the United States of America. And no, it's not about party and politics, certainly not now. Uh, one uh, outspoken Democrat and who describes himself as a Democratic progressive now asks the question, why do so many progressives support the rape and murder of Israeli civilians? Who dares to answer that question? Alan Dershowitz, professor at Harvard Law School for some 50 years, now emeritus. He's been... Uh, very active in defense of civil liberties and human rights all around the world. Coming up on the Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. to welcome back to the show Alan Dershowitz, who is a professor emeritus at Harvard Law School, where he taught the law for some 50 years. He is active today in litigation, in writing, and in defense of civil liberties and human rights. He is the host of the Dare Show with Alan Dershowitz, of course. And uh, he is also uh, the author of the books uh, Get Trump and very relevantly to our subject of conversation, The Case for Israel. Uh, Alan, you, you ask a, a, a very uncomfortable question, which is uh, you've been a progressive Democrat all your life. Uh, and you ask why do so many progressives support the murder and rape and destruction of Israeli civilians. 
Most and recently, why? the most recently, the Chicago chapter of Black Lives Matter um, said they support uh, Hamas, and they sent a a tweet showing a Hamas murderer uh, with one of his uh, one of those uh, little jetpacks uh, landing. You know, obviously near the music festival and, and murdering 250 people and raping women. Uh, the Student Bar Association at NYU just came out and said it was all Israel's fault. Uh, Harvard uh, students, including a Jewish group at Harvard and Amnesty International at Harvard, blamed everything on Israel. Not division of blame or division of responsibility. Every rape every murder, every beheading, every kidnapping is the fault of Israel. And can you imagine these progressives supporting rapists and supporting child murderers? Um, I worry as much for America as I do for Israel, because these are our future leaders. Uh, these are the students at Harvard and Yale and Columbia and NYU who 10 years from now will be running for Congress. And so what I want to do is I want to see the name of every single student that belongs to any of these organizations published. Now, you know, during the civil rights period, we worried about it because people would be killed if their names were associated with civil rights. Nobody's going to get hurt. Uh, nobody's going to get physically in trouble if their names are associated with Hamas. They might get physically if their names are associated with Israel. But there's no reason not to publish the names of these Harvard students. You know, they shouldn't be downgraded. That's why we should have blind grading, but I wouldn't hire one of them. I wouldn't retain one of them as a lawyer. I wouldn't associate with one of them. And the marketplace of ideas requires transparency. And transparency means we have to know who's signing these things. You can't hide behind the name of an organization like Amnesty International. Amnesty International consists of individual students who support this. And if the students don't support it, let them quit Amnesty and disassociate themselves from it. But you know, we have to have accountability here. Alan, have you been following the struggle within the Democratic Caucus of the House of Representatives? And it's a struggle between Richie Torres, who is a representative of the upper end of Manhattan, uh, a Latino progressive representative and great friend and defender of Israel, who just ripped into Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and no. Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib uh, for their position, basically. And their position isn't even as bad as the one that you're talking about. Their position is all sides are responsible. Everybody's responsible. And, and their position is right after a thousand Jews were murdered, let's have a ceasefire. Um, you know, that's like after some mass murderers, you know, committed mass murder in the streets of Chicago. Let's call up the criminal justice system. Uh, no, you can't have it that way. Look, if Israel wants to exchange a ceasefire for the return of all the hostages, I wouldn't be critical of that. But the idea of, of a ceasefire, and by the way, when you ask them and you press them a ceasefire, they would say, well, that doesn't include us. And, of course, Hamas rockets going into Ashkelon, that's not firing. That's just a national liberation movement. They don't want a ceasefire. They want all the attacks to take place on one side and against one group of people. You know, more Jews were killed in one day this weekend than in Kristallnacht. And uh, I'm not saying this forebodes what happened after Kristallnacht. It does not, because we're a great country, America. 
and these folks are are marginalized, but they're not marginalized at Harvard. And and the Harvard president and the deans issued the most wishy-washy statement. Oh, we're so sorry for everybody. If you need psychological uh, counseling, we'll, we'll provide it to you. But not a word of condemnation, either of Hamas or of the student groups who bear the name Harvard that are basically saying that they support these murderers and rapists. And what is going on with feminists? Why are feminists suddenly in favor of rape as a weapon of war? Uh, in this case, young women were raped and their bleeding bodies were paraded uh, in Gaza in front of cheering crowds. Uh, and this is what these student groups, these feminists are now supporting. It's just, you know, people talk about Trump derangement syndrome. I coined the phrase before Trump ever got elected of Israel derangement syndrome, and I coined it in relation to Noam Chomsky. I would say, you know, I could have very com very good conversation with Chomsky about linguistics, about a range of other issues. He mentioned Israel, and his brain turns into a scrambled egg. He can't have a coherent conversation. The same thing is true with these groups. As soon as you mention Israel, genocide's okay, rape is okay, beheadings are okay. ISIS is okay. It's just incomprehensible. But there have to be consequences. And the consequences have to flow not from censorship. I don't want to censor. I want the marketplace of ideas to be wide open. I want it to be open even more than it's open now because I want the names of every single student who belongs to these associations so we can judge them, hold them accountable, and, and answer them by name. But they won't do that. What, a, what, about, what about the tenured professors who support this kind of evil we have to know their names too and uh um and and the untenured professors uh generally i mean would who would want to associate <laughs> with anybody who supports this kind of mayhem and rape i mean you know but let me tell you what's going on in colleges today so i went to brooklyn college i'm probably its most well-known graduate certainly of the political science department they have banned me from speaking on israel I can come on any subject, but not on Israel. But they have Norman Finkelstein coming repeatedly. And what did Norman Finkelstein say yesterday? It warms my heart to see these uh, actions done against Israel. It warms my heart. He, he did he really say that? Did he really rapists. say that? Did he yeah, really put him say on, put that? Put on the tweet. Wait a minute. And he said worse. He compared the rapists to the Jews who engaged in uprising in the Warsaw Ghetto. Go check them out. Just anybody can this go check them out. This is unbelievable. Yeah, but it's and you're talking about the famous archaeologist. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Norman Finkelstein, the famous anti-Israel. Right. Okay. Um, I, I I know there yeah, are two Finkelsteins. Political but, uh, theorist. He he's a student and a very close friend of Noam Chomsky. And uh, when he went after me when I wrote my book, The Case for Israel, he said that it was written by the Mossad. Do you know that my late father was in high school and then at University of Pennsylvania together with Noam Chomsky? They're both Philadelphia boys. And uh, my dad spent the last 19 years of his life in Israel and was yeah. a, a lifelong committed Zionist. And I asked him, he said, was, uh, what was Chomsky like in uh, high school and college? Because they know each other. And he said he was a uh, unprintable word then, and he's even worse now. And uh, 
Uh, Alan Dershowitz, uh, I want to ask you what next for the government of Israel, for the leadership of our country? How do we make sure that this isn't the beginning of some cycle of, of terrorist horrors? How do we stop the terrorists? With Alan Dershowitz coming up. Your outlet for outrage. I'm not going to take this anymore. The Michael Medved Show. Medved show one of the things that was uh, actually very positive this morning in a press conference held by Jake Sullivan who is the White House National Security Advisor was making it very clear that we support the United States supports Israel in its uh, uh, incursion which is coming with the 300,000 uh, young reservists who have been, and old reservists, who have been called up for this uh, mission. But the purpose of the mission is not retribution, it's not revenge, it's not to get even with the unspeakable cruelty. Who wants to get even with that? You don't want to repeat that. What you want to do is prevent it. And the question I would ask Alan Dershowitz is, as a student of foreign affairs, who's written several books about the Middle East and the situation in Israel. What can be done, what must be done at this point to make sure that there is no repeated incident like what we experienced on Simchat Torah? Only one thing, and it's not invading Gaza. It's destroying Iran's nuclear reactor. This is the time to do it. It ought to be a joint U.S.-Israel uh, um, uh, military action. Israel can take the lead. It has the F-25s or whatever they are, and they can and the bunker busting bombs, and they can do it with, if not military support, certainly diplomatic support from the United States. It's Iran that calls the tune. No matter what you do to Hamas, Hamas will get more weapons from Iran, and if it's not six months from now, two years from now, they'll do it again because this was very successful from their point of view. The only way to stop it is to make it clear to the puppet masters, not the puppets, that we will not tolerate Iran pulling the strings and causing this kind of devastation. Look, ideally, we should see regime change in Iran, but that's unlikely. But by the way, destroying Iran's nuclear weapons program might be a first step toward um, regime change. But independently... It's the only thing that will deter Iran. Now, if it happens, Hezbollah will attack Israel, but that's going to happen anyway. And at the very least, Iran has to be told, you're going to pay a very serious price. Right now, the Iranians are, are laughing and smiling. Everybody's getting killed in the Middle East, but not a single Iranian is dying. And they're winners. They're the winners here. And that has to, that has to stop. That's the only way to end this uh, horrible repetition of Hamas and Hezbollah violence against Israel. As some of the experts on uh, the Iranian uh, domestic situation suggest that uh, part of 
the reason that Iran has not tried at all to distance itself from the horrific attack by their clients at Hamas, it's actually been proud to claim credit is because that is popular among uh, the Iranian people. Uh, do you have a perspective on that, or is it true? I do. Go ahead. I think it's popular among a great many of the Iranian people, but it's unpopular among a great many. There is more pro-Israel sentiment in Iran today among the average person than there is in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but the difference is the leadership. The Saudi leadership wants to make peace with Israel. They don't care about the people. And the Iranian leadership doesn't. And they can stir up the masses, obviously. But I think if the Israelis, you know, there's nothing like a winner. If the Israelis can manage to destroy Iran's nuclear reactor and have a success, and that's a risky endeavor, of course, I think that the Iranian people uh, would initially be very upset. Even Saudi Arabia would publicly condemn Israel, but privately they would applaud it. And the rest of the Middle East would be thrilled, privately at least, that the Iranian nuclear threat has been, if not completely abolished, postponed for a long period of time. Well, certainly the Saudis would be greatly relieved. What about yeah. this pending um, mission that Netanyahu has promised? He said that uh, it will have reverberations that uh, echo through time, that it's going to be a, a massive undertaking. Uh, is this uh, an undertaking that is given your priority of dealing with Iran? Is it worth the sacrifice in lives uh, and, uh, and, and basically in, in military hardware and all the rest of it? Is that uh, a, a bootless disquisition? Is that something that needs to be done or a waste? Well, it may have to be done, but it may have to be done for reasons other than permanent prevention. Uh, it will prevent it from happening in the next two, three, maybe even five years. But uh, Hamas is not going to give up. Uh, they have the will, and they regard this as a great victory. And and it was a great victory. Everything that Israel planned for went wrong. Everything. Not only the intelligence, they didn't warn them. Once they got to the fence, they didn't warn the people. Once they warned the people, they didn't get the military there on time. It was a complete system failure by Israel, and Hamas, you know, pulled it off. And it's also gotten them support all over the Arab world and all over Harvard and other places. And so they're going to continue to do this. Uh, the only way to stop it is Iran. And there's no inconsistency between ground troops in the Gaza and the Air Force the, air, the special, very specialized air force that is designed to destroy Iran's nuclear uh, arsenal is, you know, 100 people, um, probably 10 airplanes um, with some refueling and uh, who knows what else. But uh, uh, it, it won't interfere with a ground, a ground war in Gaza. Both can be done at the same time. But I think they both require the diplomatic moral and weapons supply support of the United States. When you talk about the support of the United States, do you think this is connected with the moving to the western, uh, pardon me, to the eastern Mediterranean? 
the yeah. battle group uh, around the uh, a magnificent aircraft carrier, and it's really one of the best vessels we have, the Gerald Ford, uh, together with four destroyers and a missile cruiser. It's a, a formidable array of uh, naval power that the United States is moving closer to Iran. Uh, do you think that that is with the possibility of a serious strike against the uh, uh, Iranian Islamic Republic, so-called? It, it would be more likely if they were moved into the Persian Gulf and closer to Iran because the United States right now, as far as I know, the planes that are on the Gerald Ford aircraft carrier can't make it all the way to Iran without refueling, but they could refuel, and they could refuel. It depends, again, on who is on whose side, if they can refuel over over territories of some of the Arab states. Um, that would make it a lot easier to do. But I think that the sending of the carrier was just a display of strength and a display of American involvement in the area. But the United States has said, and Israel has said, that, that there's no need for American uh, boots on the ground or even planes in the air as long as Israel has the ability to do what it has to do, the weaponry to do it, the financial support to do it, and the diplomatic support to do it. That's going to be hard because, you know, over the weeks, CNN is going to start boohooing about, you know, the dead uh, Palestinian uh, uh, human shields that Hamas sends to the front. You know what Hamas does? It sends its leaders to Qatar. The other leaders, it sends underground into the tunnels, and it leaves the poor people up there next to the rockets to become human shields. And as soon as they die, which inevitably will happen, they parade them in front of CNN, and uh, the, 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 the public perception changes. And now it's Israel who's the bully and the aggressor. Uh, do you do you believe that it, 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 right now there's talk in Israel about a new unity coalition government yeah. that would include uh, leaders like Benny Gantz and uh, and Yair Lapid? Good idea. Yeah, terrific idea. Look, I met with Bibi um, ten days ago, two two weeks ago, when when he was in New York. I had a three hour dinner with him. Um, I met with Bennett just a short time ago. And Former I met Prime with Minister Natalie Bennett. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. And Gantz, who was the head of the IDF. And it's very important that they come together. And Yair Lapid, who is way to the left of either of those two, um, would really make it a national coalition government. So I think that's absolutely essential. Amen to that. Alan Dershowitz, uh, you can find more information about his uh, podcast and about his most recent books at our website at michaelmedved.com. Thank you for your contributions always to this greatest nation on God's green earth.